turned on my mic. Sorry, guys. Uh, man, thank you all for joining us uh, at our 1030 service. Man, we are excited uh, for each and every one of you to be here. Uh, man, we have got a bunch of teenagers, like 40-something uh, folks that are at Camp Lee uh, today. And so Joseph and them have been giving us the report on that. Man, God has done awesome things in Anniston, Alabama. So I know some of you parents look like you have more sleep now. Like there's not loud minions running through your house, you know. At all hours of the morning, because it's summer, right? So, uh, man, we are, uh, we're excited for them to have that incredible worship time there, uh, as well as our community fest. Man, community fest went great uh, last night. I will say uh, there, have, there have been significant gains in the architecture of cotton candy structures uh, as a result of our work last night. So uh, we had some impressive work by, by the fire hall guys to, uh, to get those cotton candy structures. So that, that was a lot of fun. If you missed that, man, you missed out on a blessing. Um, love for you guys to, to be a part of that uh, in the future. But, uh, man, we're excited to turn the page kind of from Mark uh, into our summer material. So we're doing... Uh, We do things a little bit different in the summer. The format looks a little bit different. Uh, But, man, we're excited for you to hear ways that you can get involved. We want to put out ways that you uh, can get involved in ministry and things and topics that are where you live. So things that are affecting your immediate context. If you remember last summer, we did the Untouchable series, and that was an adventure, right? Uh, Fully documented and on YouTube, uh, we got anywhere from eschatology, from end times, to women's role in the church, to race, uh, money. I mean, we talked about it all. All the things that pastors aren't allowed to talk about or don't, aren't supposed to talk about, we just talked about them all in one fell swoop. So uh, you can go back on YouTube and Facebook and check those out if you missed that. But this year, uh, man, some things that have been uh, coming down from our federal government uh, led me to this idea of tracking life. So for, for the month of June, the sermon series uh, that we have is life. And so today, specifically, we are talking about the sanctity of human life. For those of you that are unaware, I hope most of you are very well informed in this. If you're not, though, let me inform you. So uh, some recent news articles have come out, and this has been coming, I guess, since February. Is that kind of of when they first uh, started breaking this, that the Supreme Court uh, is leaning toward a reversal of the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision. So 49 years after the decision was made, giving women federally the right to an abortion. We've got some clapping. That's good. It's exciting. It's exciting. Now, it doesn't do away with abortion. Uh, what it does is it puts the decision-making process for the laws and the regulations uh, back in the hands of the state. So the state will determine if they will be pro-life, if they will be pro-choice. And so there will be lines drawn, right? So some states, uh, like more than likely with Alabama being heavily conservative, uh, we will probably be a pro-life state. And so there's some things coming down in that. Obviously, it's caused a huge uproar as the individual states deal with this battle. It will be another thing that we will hear over and over about. And so I want not only for us to have a response as a church, but I want us to be able to have ready hands 
to meet the needs that some of these things uh, are going to bring about. And so uh, I have Donna Graham and Ashley Bell. Now, Ashley, I met just a couple months ago. Uh, She's new to these parts, uh, but I've known Donna. We are literally driving the minivan that Donna used to drive. So we bought our our minivan from her. So uh, we we think the world of them, and man, we are excited about what God is using them. They are, uh, they work with the Women's Resource Center in Athens. And so this is an an amazing ministry that you, if the Lord leads you that direction, you can actually volunteer your time support, and I'll let them tell you more about that. But, but tell us a little bit about yourself, ladies. Okay. Um, my name is Donna Graham, and uh, I'm the executive director at the Women's Resource Center. Um, I have a husband, Bill, and a son who is adopted uh, named Avery, and that's kind of why we went into the ministry of um, at the Women's Ministry Women's Resource Center uh, is because my husband and his sister are adopted and my son's adopted. So I am extremely grateful and thankful to those women who chose life for him. And so we wanted to help and support those women that come into a crisis situation uh, with their pregnancy and help them to choose life for their babies. And so that's kind of our story of why we're, we're serving there. My name is Ashley Bell, my husband and four children, and I moved here from California a year ago this month. Um, I am the Advancement Director at Women's Resource Center, and my uh, professional background is um, office management for obstetrics and gynecology. What brought me to Women's Resource Center is I, at that office, we were an abortion provider, and I got to see kind of the ugly underside of the realities of abortion providers and what it looks like and the people that are hurting from that. So I was so excited that Women's Resource Center existed that I could volunteer at and kind of be a positive influence on people's lives that are facing that decision. That's awesome. Awesome. Good deal. Roll, roll tighter, Warwick. No, don't, t- yeah. don't say, don't say, don't say because it's going, it, yeah, that, that, that's like kryptonite. To whatever you say next, it's kryptonite. All right. <laughs> well, I know the answer to that question then. We cancel each other out. Okay, good. Good deal. Good deal. Good deal. Um, so most in this room, Ms. Donna, most of the, in this room have heard the phrase sanctity of human life, right? Um, uh, maybe not understanding all the ramifications of it, but kind of frame for us what that phrase means. Uh, As I said in the first service, I'll do the best I can. You did a great job. So So, um, the scriptures say that that God created everything and he created everything to be good. And he created man to be in his own image. And so he created him with a purpose. So, um, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, uh, to give you a future and a hope. So, he has a plan and a purpose for each person. So that was God's intention from the very beginning is for us to value life. And when sin entered, from the very beginning, when sin entered, it was very selfish. Um, all of our sin is self-motivated. It's very selfish. And, and it causes us to look at ourselves as more worthy than everyone around us. Um, and we value ourselves above everything else. And, and when, we, when that sin came into our life, we kind of started to devalue everyone else's life and dehumanize everyone else. And so God, and through Jesus Christ, thankfully brought that redemption to us to try to get us to get back on track, to bring us back to his intention and his purpose for life. And so he wants us to value life from the beginning 
to the very end of life, so womb to tomb and everything in between. So he wants us to be advocates for those who can't speak for themselves, those hmm. who are uh, in the womb, those who are disabled, those who are elderly, those who have um, whatever situation they're in. He wants us to speak for that because their lives are valuable. They have purpose. Um, God created them with a, mm-hmm. he's designed them and created them with a specific purpose in mind. So um, that's what the sanctity of human life is. Awesome, awesome. It, it's much more all-encompassing than, than we, we talk about just in, in the one area. We will, you know, obviously because of y'all's position, we'll be talking in that area. But it is, it's a, it's a far-reaching, life is precious, right? Life is precious. If I could add just one yeah, more thing. Sure. When, when we dehumanize and we devalue life, it's my personal belief that the things like school shootings and murders and um, abortion mm. and those kind of things, that's, that's the result of that mm. dehumanization of life. Um, and so I really feel like we've got to get back to that point where we, sure. we value our people. Oh, that's a great us. point. That's a great point. So Ashley, tell us a little bit about the Women's Resource Center. Tell us about what y'all do to the fight, in the fight for sanctity of human life. Um, we're a nonprofit Christian center and um, at our core, we're a crisis pregnancy center. So we are there for women um, who are facing a crisis pregnancy, unplanned pregnancy. We provide free pregnancy tests and free ultrasounds and also um, support with an advocate to tell them their choices and all, like, all their options and what that looks like. And then to also encourage them that they can have this baby and either parent or um, put the baby up for adoption and walk them through that and be there from the beginning of the pregnancy to the toddler years. Um, we provide um, parenting classes. Um, so it's even outside of crisis pregnancy situations. We are open to the community for uh, classes and parenting for um, toddler years down, um, also through pregnancy. And um, we have a Earn Will You Learn program where people come in, lots of them really can't afford things like diapers and wipes and all of that, so they can take a parenting class and um, they get to go shop in our little baby boutique. And there's, um, everything has been donated to us, diapers, wipes, baby clothes, baby baths, everything you could imagine. And um, they're so blessed by, by that, by those donations, because it's honestly, they're in a place in life that's scary. It's scary to feel like you can't afford diapers for your baby. And so we're there in the community to provide that for them. And we're able to kind of sit next to them, share the gospel, and then give them an opportunity to have access to free goods that were donated by their community. So it's really just the full circle of a loving community in Christ. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I think for us as a church, like us that have conservative pro-life values, right? We we can get cast in this this mold of, and, and sometimes like, hey, our posture is you need to keep the child, but we don't offer any solutions on the back end of that, you know, and, and gosh, I know how much it costs for my family, you know, to function with a, with a great job and, and uh, you know, with plenty of support around me. Some of these have none of that. And uh, being able to do that instead of resource, and that, that's, a, that's a huge, huge thing. So, Donna, give us, give us a couple wins. I know you've been with, been with them for a while, and so uh, I loved hearing the wins last episode. So share with this service the, some of the wins that y'all have seen in the Women's Resource Center. Okay. Um, 
we had an abortion-minded gal come in, and we went through all the steps. Of, uh, we, we can't say, don't get abortion. You know, we can't hit them with a Bible and say, don't get an abortion. We can't do that. So we have to walk them through um, the pros and cons of each step of, of parenting, of adoption, and of abortion. And if they're dead set on abortion, then we have to walk them through, um, this is what your abortion would look like at this stage of your pregnancy. And this is what... The, um, you need to ask the doctor these questions, and these are the consequences of this choice. This is what might happen, um, the psychological trauma that happens after an abortion, those kind of things that women talk about all the time. And so we have to walk them through all these different choices. Well, this particular woman, we walked her through all of her choices, and she was still thinking that, I just can't do this, I just can't do this. And we convinced her to come back to get an, uh, an ultrasound. And while we were doing the ultrasound, um, we saw two sacks. There were two babies. And we thought, oh, as soon as we say this, this is going to be a for sure thing for her to go get an abortion. And so we were really hesitating, but we knew we had to tell her what we saw on the ultrasound. And as soon as we told them what we saw and we pointed it out to them, uh, she and the baby daddy that was with her, they lit up and were like, there's two babies? And they were... <laughs> They almost started, they, the, the man almost started crying, you know, at the excitement of two babies being there. And they walked away changing their mind after they saw twins, which was totally not what we expected at all. And so that was a really good story. Um, and then uh, we had another abortion-minded gal came, who came in um, a couple of years ago. And when she left, we thought, she's going to get an abortion. But we prayed, we just sent it out, we sent the prayer thing out, prayed, there's a woman out that's um, abortion-minded, please pray for her. Didn't hear anything back from her until about a year later when she and uh, her boyfriend came back for classes and they had the little baby with them. And uh, so that was like, yay. Um, so, you know, we don't know what happens sometimes when they don't come back for classes. Yeah. We don't know what the result was. But this one we did. And it was, that's awesome. you know, it was very good. Uh, that's really cool. That's really cool. So, so there's some people in this room, kind of shifting from a nuts and bolts to what y'all do to, to really laying out framework and mindset and think the way that we can approach this. There may be people in this room uh, that have been directly or indirectly affected by abortion in this room and probably dealing with shame, guilt, residual effect from, from that. Um, what, Ashley, what would you say to somebody that is in that headspace struggling with decisions that were made by themselves or loved ones in their past like that? So I feel like the media and kind of the pro-choice world would love to paint us as women, like a group of angry women who are ready to just judge and condemn for having an abortion when you come into the center. Um, but the reality of the matter is, is that there are people in this room who have faced that. My husband and I both um, have walked through that um, indirectly and directly. And I know that I have played a part in abortions in California. I, we worked for an abortion. I worked for an abortion provider. I took the money. I was part of that. And, and there is shame and there is guilt. And I know that his experience is the same with he knew it was wrong. They felt like it was their only option. They did it. And there was tremendous regret and guilt and sadness. There's so much grief involved. And I feel like it's important for people to realize that when they come to the center, they're going to be surrounded by women and men 
Um, our male advocates are there for men who are experiencing the grief that comes after abortion, be it your own or from somebody that you love and you're having a hard time kind of grappling with the reality that a life was taken, um, that we're there to kind of wrap our arms around you and love on you, and, and your story is important. And I feel like our stories, people that have walked through that, they need to be louder because we're hearing all these stories of women they are like, oh yeah, like it's the cool thing to do. I know back home in California, that is such a normal conversation. Abortion yeah. is so normal out there. Yeah. And, and I don't want that for here, but I just feel like if our experiences, our sadness, our grief over what we have seen and what we have experienced are louder, that people will see there's a really ugly, ugly side to this, sad, heartbreaking side. and and that you're not alone, but again, let's, let's be present and share our stories, and hopefully we can make it all yeah. kind of come to an end. Yeah, yeah and I think it's, just, it's so important because there's nothing outside the reach of the gospel. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's nothing outside of restoration that is offered through Christ, and um, I, I used to, as a kid, think about the, the guy that crucified Jesus, like the guy nailing the nail, like, if, in the hierarchy of sin, like, that's the worst, right? When you're nailing Jesus to the cross, like, you're chief sinner number one. Forget Paul, it's him, right? And, and uh, but yet God's reconciliation came even to the, to the Roman centurion, right? And this is the son of God. So um, it, it's important to understand that for sure. I, I think there's also people in this room. Because we live in the state we live in, in the belt buckle of the Bible belt, as we like to say, that probably feel like abortion is a distant issue from them. Uh, and so, Donna, give us the, the other perspective, just how pervasive this issue really is. Okay. Um, I've had several clients come in that are pregnant, panicked. You know, they're, they're in that panic mode. And um, so you're trying to walk them through what their resources are, what they, what they have to help them. And uh, most of them will not, they refuse to tell their families because they don't want that look of uh, disappointment, that anger that might come. Um, they, they don't want to tell their work. They don't want to tell their um, the school. They don't want to tell anybody. They don't want anybody to know mm. that they're pregnant, that they're in that situation. Because mm. uh, there's a lot of shame involved in, in getting pregnant outside of wedlock or yeah. whatever. And um, so what I have found is that there's more out there than you think. There's probably someone in this room that has had an abortion or, or knows someone who's had one. Um, it's, it's more prevalent than we think. Yeah. And I, for, for example, there's a lady that used to volunteer with us uh, for the longest time. She was there for a long time. And there was a video that we were making for a banquet and she was asked to be a part of it. And the question was, why did you choose? What, what led you to serve at the Women's Resource Center? And her story was that she had had an abortion uh, when she was a teenager. And um, none of us knew it. And, and so the person sitting next to you could have had one, and you just don't know it. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's out there, and it's yeah. a hard thing, and we need to make sure that people know that they can come and talk to us yeah. and uh, do something about it. We can help them. Yeah, that's awesome. One of the things, so I, I'm, I learned about the center today is, so something like 79 clients is what the, the pie chart shows, so it's an amazing number, but nine of those being guys. Like, 
And I guess because of how charged the issue is, specifically from the female side of things, like my body, my rights, those, those kind of things, um, we miss that. And I, I, as a pastor, it's an oversight for me, the, the, the devastating effects that that can have. And so uh, we just don't think about it, but that's, that's an amazing resource. It really is all-encompassing uh, some of the, the things that they provide. And if they don't know, what to do that, they'll get you in touch with somebody that can. They are very well resourced, very well connected uh, in that. So Ashley, how, how can we help in the fight? How can we help you guys specifically uh, with something that tangible that, that they can do, uh, that our church can do, we can do individually? And then how can we help this issue on a global, universal scale? Um, well, we are a nonprofit, so we do run off of donations and financial support from the people within our community. Um, but also, we run off of fully volunteer basis. So the advocates in the classrooms, the male advocates that work with our male clients and the female advocates that work with the female clients, those are all volunteers. Our ultrasound tech, our nurse, like everybody's volunteers. So if you are a nurse or you know a nurse or if you know an ultrasound technician that would be willing to give their time or if you feel called, you know, I, I felt called to, to be a positive influence in the life of a woman that's facing a crisis and you could do that too. It's very simple and it's very impactful. And um, even if that isn't the, what you're called to do, everything we have there that we provide our clients is donated, diapers, wipes, baby bottles, baby formula, clothing, everything you could imagine um, these people need. And, um, and it's fully provided by people that just donate. Um, so that's kind of how you can participate on, on a local level, yeah. And then the, the most impactful thing is pray. Pray for our advocates to be able to reach into the lives of these women yeah. and men that are considering this as an option for them. Mm. Um, pray for our center that we can say the right thing, be in the right spot, do the right thing at all times in all of this. And then um, I think an important thing too is to be educated. We, we have the... North Alabama is rich in resources to kind of walk alongside these women who have decided for life. Just like um, you were talking about earlier, how it can't just end up being pro-life and that's it. Yeah. Have the baby, figure it out. Well, these people oftentimes are alone. They don't have a support system in place to kind of provide childcare or provide financial resources or anything like that. And so we're here to say, hey, let us walk with you. Like, this is what it looks like. Let's get you set up with medical insurance. Let's get you set up with um, continuing education so that you can still get a degree while you're pregnant. Let's set you up with childcare for after the baby comes. Let's provide you with the resources that you need um, to take care of the baby, everything. And, and we partner with people throughout North Alabama. The, it is there. The availability is there. And I feel like that is such a huge argument now on the op opposition is that, oh, then what? You're just going to have all these people that have babies they can't care for. That's not true. That's not what, that's not what we're saying. Mm -hmm. We're saying we're here from the time that you find out you're pregnant to the rest of the time. Like however much support you need, we're here. We're alongside you. We're not mm -hmm. just going to tell you we think you should keep the baby. 
we're gonna help you along the way. And that is what it should look like and that's what we all can participate yeah. in at you know, various levels. And I just think that it's important to have that under your, you know, in your belt for a tool if somebody were to say, oh, all you want is these people to just have their baby and walk away. It's not that, that's not our argument and that's yeah. not what we stand for. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, this is not a problem that the world needs to figure out. This is a problem that the church needs to roll up their sleeves and help with, right? Uh, we get guilty of being the Pharisees that picked up the stones, and yet the message of our leader was go and sin no more. I don't condemn you, go and sin no more. Uh, and so, uh, so this is a first step, all right? So this is something that we're doing, I'm excited about doing as a church corporately. Uh, we are going to invest in this center. Uh, there are bottles. Now, there was such a good response that uh, there are limited bottles. So if you don't get one, uh, we come back next week and we will have more for you, okay? Uh, and for anybody else that may be watching that's a part, they're just not here today. Um, we wanna give everybody an opportunity to participate in this. So this is going on for the next four weeks. Uh, the last Sunday in June, uh, we will have our final collection of all of these bottles. You fill them with change. So like as a family, we're planning on giving obviously as a family, but, but also change. Like my kids can be involved in it. They can understand the importance in it. Change, cash, or a check can be put in these bottles, fill it up, and then turn it back in. And all of the proceeds will go to support the Women's Resource Center. So that's what we're doing as a church for the remainder of this month, uh, but please, if God is leading you to help in other ways, please don't let this pacify your guilty conscience and be done with it. Go and talk to these ladies. They're going to be out in the back as we leave today uh, and, and get in touch with them, uh, network with them. I know they would love to have your support in any area uh, that you possibly can, okay? Uh, guys, give them a hand. Thank you all so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll transition into our, into our message. Most gracious Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you, uh, Lord, for this very, very important issue. God, you are the author of life. And so as a result, God, you have made your people stewards uh, Lord, of, of the things that are important to you. And so, Father, I just pray that we would be good stewards, uh, God, of, of the preciousness of life. Lord, that we see, as, as Donna said, from womb to tomb, uh, God, that we would be good stewards of those that you've given us. And uh, Lord, I pray that our church uh, would be active in this endeavor. I pray that we, uh, Lord, would not shrink behind the pressure of the societal pressures of the world, but God, we'd be informed by your thoughts, by your heart. And God, we would get our heading from you as well. Father, we love you. We thank you for what you're gonna teach us today, what you've already taught us and what you're gonna teach us through your word. May you bind it to our hearts. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 139. Psalm 139. Uh, what I wanna do today is I wanna lay out a brief, I promise, Theology, all going, yeah, right. Uh, a brief theology of the sanctity of human life, where this comes from. Now, in the follow-up two weeks, uh, we are going to be giving you handlebars to 
things that we can do, why this is important, how to be part of this solution. Uh, but, but I want to give you the basis of it, the foundation of it today. And we find it in a very familiar passage of Scripture. Psalm 139 is a salient passage in the, in the pro-life movement. But, but for those that value human life, uh, much of it comes from the truth that can be found here. Uh, this, this passage is Kind of this this whole book is really our chapter is really a hard chapter to identify. There's genres of the Psalms. Uh, there's there's praise and there's lament and there's thanksgiving and there's all these different genres and it doesn't really fit into any one particular genre. Uh, it's a mixture of praise. It's a mixture of wisdom and it's a mixture of lament. The whole passage is, uh, but it, it's hard to really classify. It begins with. The words that many of you have, have heard over and over that the psalmist David would say in verse 1, you have searched me and you know me, right? God, you have searched me and you know me. This speaks to his omniscience, his Fact, the fact about God that he is all-knowing, and he's not just all-knowing in a sense that he has all the trivia of all the world, but he is all-knowing in our life, right? As, as the Baptist pastor would say, right, he knows the number of hairs on your head, right? He knows you better than you know yourself. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing in our life. And so he says, you've searched me and you know me. You know me intricately, you know me intimately, and that has profound ramifications. Verse 7 tells us, where shall I flee from your presence? This doesn't only speak of God of being all-knowing in our life, but it speaks of God being all-present, ever-present in our life. He's not just a God that's everywhere at one time. That's an academic understanding of God. That's, that's a wisdom thing about God that we understand, theologically correct. But he is ever-present in our life. So that means in the good and the bad, that means in the sin and in the failure and in the triumph, he is ever present in our life. There's nowhere, the psalmist says, that I can go and not be in your presence, right? It's why Jonah, leaving God, knew this fact and lost his theological mind in trying to flee from God's presence, right? It cannot happen. We can't do it. All of us, when we read Jonah, go, well, you dummy, you can't leave God's presence, right? But this is, this is the fact that it's tied to in Psalm 139, 13. Through 14, right? And so we begin in verse 13 talking about unpacking the why. Why is God intimately aware of every detail of our life? And why is God ever present in every time in our life? We find the importance beginning in verse 13. And so what we see in Psalm 139, verse 13, is life's start. Look at the beginning of life as the gospel, as God's word portrays. For you formed me in my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul, my soul knows it very well. 
The word that he uses, there's, there's so much. Man, this passage is so rich in original language and implications for today. The words you formed literally means to create. You created me in my innermost parts. You created my inward parts. The word inward parts literally translated as kidneys. You created me in your kidneys. But that was an expression, right? And y'all go, well, that's a weird expression, to which they would probably say that I have a gut feeling would be a weird expression. A Hebrew would say you're a weird for saying you have a gut feeling. Well, they said innermost parts being the guts, the core of who we are, the seed of our personality. I just have this feeling. I just have this intuition. He says, you formed me. You created my inward parts, my inner longings, the core of who I am. And then he says, you knitted me together in my mother's wombs. This speaks to intentionality. Right, The idea of knitting, knitting doesn't happen on accident. Knitting happens from a very intentional effort. And so not only is God uh, creating us, it's not creation by accident. It, he is very present and knitting and weaving together a tapestry for his glory. And so as you've knit me together in my mother's womb, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, this is pretty neat. David, looking at his life, looking at his personality, looking at the intricacies of who he is, the strengths and the weaknesses of his life, looks at his life as a creation of God and says, literally, the Hebrew literally could be translated, I am awesomely amazing. It's literally the translation. I am awesomely amazing. I don't know about you, but I think God did pretty good work. He did a wonderful thing when he created this, right? This is what David is talking about. What he's celebrating is not his own ability and his own power. He's celebrating the diversity of God. He's saying, man, there is no one in the world like me. No one. I am wonderfully awesome in my own way. I am unique, right? You can look at your thumbprint and... You see the creativity of God to give each person a unique thumbprint. You have an identity. You are thumbbody. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, I'll let that sink in. It would have hit better if I had youth here. I'm just saying. It would have hit better. The dad joke would have been truly appreciated. You're an individual, right? You're unique. And so God is creative. Every human life is not just created in his image, in his form, but in his personality, revealing his character, revealing his diversity, his uniqueness. Well, how can every human being uh, help establish? How? It, it requires all of humanity to understand just how complex God is, and we've not scratched the surface, the surface, right? This is who God has created us from the start to be. Each child from conception is precious because he or she not only bears the image of God in body, but they are a reflection of his personality and uniqueness in soul. We are a reflection of who God is. So guess what? That person that's a weirdo for you, right? You've heard me say you're somebody's weirdo. Just know that. The same person that you think is a weirdo probably thinks you're a weirdo, right? But that weirdo has something to tell us about who God is. Literally last night, I very poorly handled an issue even within my own family. 
My own kids can behave in ways that seem very alien to who I am. And the way I responded to it was terrible. What I was doing was devaluing the uniqueness of my son who God created in a very specific way to, to, to meet a very specific need in the world that he lives in. I'm devaluing that because he's not responding the way that I am. David looks at that and says, I am wonderfully amazing. And by the way, every one of God's creation, every, everyone in humanity is wonderfully amazing. My soul knows it well. The uniqueness is designed to point to a beautiful creator who created the diversity for us to reveal himself to us. Secondly, we see life's significance. All of this happens in the womb, happens before birth. God is using with this intentionality to create. And so we see life's significance. Look at verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. He says my frame, the, fr the word frame literally referring to his skeleton. That his bones, his 300 at birth, 300 bones at birth and 206 bones in the human adult body was not hidden from you when you created me in the secret place. The womb being synonymous with the earth because back then, right, we have modern medicine and we have uh, geography and, and, and instrumentation that tells us what the interior of the earth looks like, what the inside of the womb looks like back then. It was all a mystery, right? And so it was, they were used synonymous. And so that's the reasoning for the, the verbiage there. But he's saying, you created me. My frame was not hidden in the near East, in the ancient Near East, the idea of someone's skeleton had really profound ramifications on their nature because it was the thing that outlasted every other part of them. And you think about it. When you die, right, your skeleton, you, you receive, you have at birth, it's formed in the mother's womb. And then when you die, your skeleton remains far after anything else, right? And so this had profound implications. Your frame was, my frame was not hidden from you. And it says then that your eyes saw my unformed substance. The word here, golem, in the Hebrew literally could be interpreted embryo. My, your, my embryo, my unformed substance, the gloop of DNA that would replicate to become who I am in all of my uniqueness would be woven together. You saw me before I was seeable. That's what he's saying. He's literally saying, you saw me before I was seeable. You saw what was unseeable. But he doesn't stop there. He says, in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, even though they had not happened yet. So not only was he seeing what was unseeable about David, but he had a plan and a purpose for the days that David would live before they'd happened. Right? So he's not only, not, he's not only seeing what is unseeable, but he, is, he has a plan and an itinerary for days that have not happened. Right? He is completely and totally in charge. What it speaks to is the purpose. David had not just days, but he had purpose within those days. He had a reason to live. 
Jeremiah 1 verse 5 tells us that it says that before you were born, talking to Jeremiah, I consecrated you, that I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Before Jeremiah breathed a breath on this earth, God had a plan and a purpose for him. It is why it is the thing that gives me comfort when I think about my kids being raised in the day and age that we're living in. Because it's real easy to look at that and go, be fearful and, 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 to, and, and to doubt God and to doubt his goodness when we look at the world that my kids are going to have to be raised in, the things that are common practice today, the things that are accepted today, the, what the world looks like, the climate that they live in. What I'm negating in that is that God knit them together in their mother's womb specifically for this time. God could have created them, Cooper, Hudson, and Maddie, any time in history, but he created them for now. And so rather than being changed by culture, God has created them and uniquely gifted them to change culture, to change society, to be light and salt. And for me to neglect that in fear is to doubt God's goodness and his provision in my life and in theirs. But he wove them together. His frame was not hidden. His, his, the unformed substance was not hidden from him. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. We have a plan and a purpose. And the reason is, number three, we see life's source. It all flows from a source. We know that David is a worship leader. You know, his heart is for worship. In fact, this is a psalm at the beginning that says, to the choir master, designed to be a hymn of worship, all of this leading to a, a place, almost a, a sense in David of exasperation, right? David had plenty of songs and he had plenty of things to say, but he gets to this point in verse 17 where he almost comes to this hand-wringing conclusion, right? That he says in verse 17, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. He comes to a place where he just basks in the magnitude of all that God is. His, the fact that he is all-knowing in his life. The fact that he is all-ever-present in his life. The fact that he cares and created him with intentionality and purpose. That it flows from the source of who God is. I just want to sit here. As we sang in a moment ago, I just want to sit here and think about your Thoughts basking in the magnitude of who God is, our all-knowing, ever-present creator, will inevitably lead us, like the psalmist, to a place of inevitable worship. I want you to know when I'm in God's word, there are times in God's word that I am just taken aback by what God teaches me. If you've never experienced that, then let me encourage you to to draw in, to, to press in, to find tools to help you understand God's word, whatever you've got to do, but to get into the place where God begins to teach you and talk to you through his living word. It's living and active, right? Hebrew tells us it's living and active. And it is amazing sometimes what God teaches me, whether I'm in sermon prep or whether I'm in quiet time, and there are moments where I am just overwhelmed at what God's showing me. Sometimes there's tears. Sometimes there's laughter. Sometimes there's just awe. Sometimes the awe comes from the fact that this has been here all along and my dumb self didn't see it. 
right? Sometimes that's where the awe comes from. But sometimes I'm just in awe. We live in a day where people's thoughts on things are everywhere. You don't have to try to get the world's thoughts and opinions on anything that you want or don't want to know. There's plenty out there. Well, I could have done without knowing that opinion, that thought. We live in a loud, loud culture. But what he's saying here is precious are your thoughts, oh God. Feasting on what God's word has given me, has given me a hunger for his thoughts. And what he says there is his thoughts are precious. What does precious mean? Precious literally means it's prized for scarcity. The reason why something is precious is because it's scarce. Well, you're telling me that thoughts are scarce? No, I'm telling you God's thoughts are scarce. In a loud world, God's thoughts for your life and my life are scarce. And so they are precious. And they should impact our lives. His thoughts should lead to alignment in our life because his thoughts are the only that matter. Only the thoughts of a sovereign, all-knowing, ever-present creator are the thoughts worth our consideration. In a loud culture to drown out all the copious, very unprecious thoughts, dime a dozen thoughts of the world to focus in on the preciousness of God's spoken word. And we should feast on it. It should inform everything that we do. It should change our hearts and our lives. David has just reinforced the fact that there are no thoughts that compare to God's. In fact, he says, your ways are unsearchable. I can't even fathom them. But precious are your thoughts. And though I don't understand them, I'll abide by them because they are the bread of life. They are life for me. If we recognize his thoughts to be precious, Recognize him as life's source and that his thoughts are precious as it relates to the issue of life, as it relates to all human life. His designs and purposes should be protected and fought for, right? His designs and purposes for all life, for all human life, right? Whether those that can defend themselves and those that can't, they should be fought for, right? Because we care, because we love, because of what it tells us about who God is. His thoughts on this are precious, so life is precious, but it also has ramifications for us. It has individual ramifications as well. Because there's maybe some that would look at their life and recognize that they're not living in the plan and purposes that God has for them. Because of sin, because of distraction, because of placing emphasis on something that took God's place, we have allowed in our hearts and mind something to take place, the place of his thoughts. Am I reflecting the glory of God? Am I living for his plans and purpose? David said, you knew my purpose, you had my number of days, you got it all. 
Are we living for that purpose? Is our heart in alignment with him? Are we living for his glory or are we living for ourselves? And so with every head bow and eye closed, if you're here today, you don't have a relationship with Christ. There's no living for his purposes outside of a relationship with him. He divinely made a way for us to live out his purpose, not through our industry, through our effort, through our activity. No, Jesus came. He sent his son. In the fullness of time, God sent his son. And he made a way for me and for you. That if we would lay down the purposes and the plans for our life, he would give us plan and purpose that didn't have their backing in temporal, finite, limited understanding of things, but had eternal ramifications. He would give us purpose and understanding and, and a life and a plan greater than anything we could imagine if we would l- surrender our life to him. And so if you're here and you've never done that, and you're the most important person in this room, I'd love to give you the opportunity to respond to the grace of God that is demonstrated through Jesus Christ. He died a death that you and I deserved so that we could have life. And you want to you talk about valuing the sanctity of human life? Look what Jesus did for us on the cross. Laying down his life so that we could find it. And maybe you need to find it today. And in just a moment when I say amen, I'm here at the front, would love to talk to anybody that needs a relationship with Jesus Christ, needs that personal connection with maybe, maybe you've walked an aisle, maybe you've checked the box, maybe you've done all those other things. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. I would invite you to make that decision today. Maybe you're here and maybe you know that you have a relationship with Christ, but your life is wonky. It is out of alignment. And you are living for plans and purposes that are temporary when you know God's called you to eternal. Man, would you just lay that down? Would you get that right? Would you surrender all today? This altar is open for you to do business with the Lord, for you to intercede for somebody else. I'm here for any decision that you need to make. That's salvation, whether that's joining what God's doing here, maybe that's the step of alignment that you need to take to link arms with fellow believers, to have accountability in his body. Maybe it's baptism, whatever it is, I just pray that as the Holy Spirit lays it on your heart, I pray you do it. I pray you do it. You respond. That's what this is. It's a time of response. It's an invitation by, it's given by our heavenly Father for you to respond to his goodness. Don't let the moment slip by. Would you do business with God today? Father, have your will and way in this place and in our hearts. Thank you for my life that you valued enough to send your son. And God, I pray for one that needs to come to that transforming decision today. I pray they would do it. I pray that you'd bring them to it and they would respond in obedience. Whatever decision needs to be made, let us not quench the Holy Spirit in this place and in our hearts. May we respond to you openly and freely. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as we sing? This time of invitation is for you. Respond as the Spirit leads in this moment.